you do something every single day for your business, you're good. Like, just keep doing something. Make one t-shirt. You don't get any orders, make a t-shirt for yourself, right? And then, if you don't got anything to do, check your emails, you know? And then I always always say, like, you can sweep the floor, you can make another shirt tomorrow, but every day, just do something on your business. Build it, do something, just anything. That's shop discipline right there, isn't it? Welcome to Muttering Pines, the show where we fumble our way through the outdoors and try and do stuff with our hands. How's it going, guys? I'm great. I've only had half a dozen beers tonight. Oh, I was just about to pour my first one. Oh, that's that's a wonderful noise. Um, I'm drinking Red Solo. Red Solo brand beer. I love it. What's what's in your Red Solo brand? Mr. Far Out Brewing. Oh, nice. uh, the what is it? The Hefeweizen. Awesome. I am once again drinking ginger ale. Ginger ale. You yeah. good lad. And Stone I stoned uh, under your tree. Yeah. No. No. So fun story. I got sick. Like, well, it was the weekend that we were supposed to go up to Darren's cabin and like day two of like pissing into the toilet from my bum parts, I decided, you know, I was not in the mood to, to smoke anything. And so, uh, I decided, I wonder how long I can go without drugs. And basically that's just me going, I wonder if I'm a drug addict. And, and, uh, so I just didn't do them and I haven't done them since, and I'm not going to do them till about Halloween. And then if I can, if I can make it to Halloween without being miserable, which so far so good. Then you can uh, go then back I'm on drugs. Drug yeah, then I'm going to yeah. go back on drugs. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. That makes so sense far, have you determined you're not an addict? Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. You know, surprisingly, it hasn't bothered me a lick. Like, um, I, I thought it would, especially like when I go, I sometimes go for like really long walks in the city here, like 20 ish kilometers. And I thought you were going to uh, say 20 ish minutes. Yeah, 20 ish minutes. <laughs> and uh, 20 uh, steps. <laughs> yeah, it didn't bother me at all. So, so it's yeah, it's good. Congratulations to me, not a drug addict. Yeah, well, that's good. Am I? At least you, you know, can you know you can handle it. So, well, you know what? What I really uh, now that I've determined that I can handle this, I'm going to get into some really hard drugs and see how how much I can stand on them. So, see, like, see that's the logical out, step. Yeah, next April yeah. I'm going to be hooked on heroin. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. Um. Well, good for you. Good for you to still drinking ginger ale, even though you're not on the the cannabis plant. The devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I love the devil's lettuce. I myself tonight am drinking a mass crafted beer from Milwaukee. Mm. Called what? Uh, what's the mass crafted <laughs> beer? That that sounds delightful. Well, Isn't that just Budweiser. Close. PBR. Oh, Pabst Brewery. Right. Yeah, of course. The old Pabst. Um, Matt, you'll be happy to know. I think I told you. I can't remember because I'm, you know, getting up yeah. there. Uh, Scott has finally purchased a quad. I An have ATV a quad. owner. I am, yes. A, bom- a bombardier. A bombardier. <laughs> so I didn't even know that thing existed. Is that, was that what a bombardier is? Is a Can-Am or is it vice yeah. versa? Well, yeah, yeah, we have we're this. Catch so much shit for saying bombardier. Yeah, it's bombardier. 
But it's Bombardier. But I say Bombardier too. Because you're from because, Manitoba. Because I'm fucking Manitoban. Yeah. And, and language doesn't make it all the way through that you province. You would think that you would think that that would like with towns like Portage La Prairie, which is Portage, of course. You think that we would be good at saying words like that, but we're just not. We're no yeah. good at it at all. Yeah. Anyways, yes, it is a a, a Bombardier uh, Trackster. It uh, is. A 500 cc um they also are direct drive they're not uh not belt driven which i did well they got a, they got a clutch or say they got a transmission of some type yeah yeah and radi- you have to put radiator fluid in it yeah my my dad was yammering about something like that yeah. he's he probably is lying no it's there i saw it <laughs> okay i was like oh is this the gas he's like no it's where the radiator fluid goes i'm like that doesn't sound like a quad <laughs> and it is. There's a there's a there's a big uh, radiator fan on the back end. On the back end, I assume mostly it's for you can propel yourself through water. <laughs> it must oh, be one of those try. backwards Frenchy things. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so yes, I'm the proud owner of a 20 year old ATV. Nice. And you. you can uh, you can drive it this weekend. I'm going to drive it this weekend for the first time. Nice. Uh, speaking of this weekend, I'm hoping they're gone, but I have cows again. Yeah, I heard you had eight cows on your I, property. I have more now um, because, I don't know, apparently our place is like rated five stars on Pasture Advisor. On Cow Yelp. <laughs> on Cow <laughs> Yelp. Oh, that's a t-shirt. Because they are... They, are <laughs> <laughs> they just won't fucking... So the guy came in, he came and got his bull. And then his bull came back. And then he came again. And uh, I was like, he's like, okay, I fixed the fence. And he's like, I'm going to come get that bull because I called him again. And he comes in on his horse. And I'm like, yeah, there's also like eight cows. And he's like, fuck, okay. Um, so then he's, they rounded those up, I guess. And then, yeah, yesterday I started getting cows on the camera again. And they're just, they're, it's great because they're just hanging out by the cabin and probably shitting all over the yard. So <laughs> that's great. Well, they have something to do. Yeah, he yeah. figures like thirty. What happened is about thirty head got out, and uh, then they're, now they're just sort of like meandering their way back through our place. Holy crap! What? Wow! Does but now he's fixed the fence, so they can't meander home. Correct. Now I have to call him, and he has to come wrangle him every time. So those are your cows now. Is well, story. no, because he knows about them. Well, don't forget, there's a, there's a finder's fee for every one cow or. Eight cows that disappears, one isn't declared. Right. Right. That's right. The old eight to one. I'd just Everybody be happy if, if he just maybe like cleans up the poop. He won't. <laughs> no, he <laughs> won't. No. Don't worry, the flies will do that. Yeah, great. The fly um, Cow yelp. Cow yelp. There's a t shirt. Uh, Matt, do you, do you know that our, our west fence? on our property had a breach in it and some of our cows got out. No. Yeah. It was a few weeks ago. I, I was up there, um, just me and, and my son and his friend. And, uh, we went for a hike and we got to this gate and the gate was like open and it was like, son of a bitch. I thought somebody left it open, but then when I got close to it, the wire was snapped. And, uh, so something had busted through that, that part. And so we, we followed it down and then I saw a fresh cow pie and uh, actually that's not true. My son saw a fresh cow pie, to his credit, and I uh, 
I said, well, let's go, you know, track the cows. And so we went down to the Creek and sure enough, a couple of, a couple of our cows were down there mixing in with the green tag ones from the, from the lease North of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went, it's repaired and they're all accounted for now. We got them all back, but, uh, that was, yeah, that was a bit scary. So when they have that many cows on one piece of property, how do they account for them properly? Like other than, this is, they don't yeah. clearly. Well, so yeah. this is <laughs> the eight to one rule. Yeah, the eight to one rules how they count. We lost thirty, so yeah. Writing some of them off is accounting for them, isn't it? Um, So, uh, the answer to that is that um, Richard prepared for this because he's very old and much smarter than us. Um, Every week, Richard shows up with delicious grain for those cows, and he goes into the corral at the front of our property with that delicious grain, and he feeds it to them. And those cows are addicted to Richard's delicious grain. So every Sunday they show up there like it's church. And that is how he got his cows back. He fed them grain and then he took his quad down to the fence, wrapped a wire around the fence, and then he went back and then counted his cows, made sure all their tags were orange, which they were. And that Wait, was, you're, that was how you're telling it. me cows can tell time? Yeah. <laughs> cows, yeah, I guess they can because they, they go there in the morning every week. They all... and just wait for him to show up with his quad or they hear the quad coming a long way away yeah, and I'll mean, migrate over there. Either of those things could be true, but I've seen it. I've been sitting on the porch, like watching him, like the cows just start to the corral. And then a couple minutes later, there comes Richard, big bowl of grain, Richard's delicious grain, Richard's five-star grain, another t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Speaking of, let's not ramble on too long. Cause I like rambling. we've convinced another poor soul to knock their social clout down about nine pegs by actually yeah. coming on and talking to us. How much um, did you give him for this? Shut up. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Our guest today is uh, an old friend and old acquaintance of both Scott and mine who uh, used to work in the advertising field. So didn't have a real job. And then, Did the job uh, at- that everybody dislikes. Yeah. And then struck out on his own to uh, create his own business, um, which we're going to talk about today. So our, our guest today is the owner and operator of Turkey and Pistols um, Apparel Shop, Rob. Hey, buddy. Hi. Hi, Rob Sacha. Rob. Hello, everybody. How are you? Good. Doing great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Do you have that five-star grain t-shirt done up already? Oh, yeah. I was marking all those down. Cal Yelp. That one was pretty easy. Cal Yelp. <laughs> How are things, man? Uh, really busy, but good. Yeah, pretty crazy. I have been growing a beard. Not in anticipation for this uh, podcast, just to meet the beard quota, but I haven't had time to do much else, like get a haircut or a shave or clean my office. I just actually like turned it around to the madness doesn't look that way, but and I organized some sort of, yeah, it's been crazy. I, so yeah, four weeks ago, we, we got, we opened our own retail store and we've been just kind of go, go, go ever since. That's awesome. So yeah. This is, this is the online store you originally created. Now you have a, a physical store and it's in Brad Creek. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, the truth of it all was, is like Turkey and Pistols, which I can see you're wearing the shirt. That's so right. I, That's yeah, pretty, I'm representing. Yeah. Pretty legit. Um, 
Yeah, it was just an Instagram like hobby shop, right? Like I didn't really mean for it to be I don't know. I don't know what it was at first. It was just kind of like watching social media happen, watching Instagram happen and going like, well, I want to get in on that too. And then kind of wanting a little bit of real hands-on real thing after that. But yeah, I mean, what, what was that? An Instagram experiment, I guess, uh, is now a retail store in Bright Creek in the mall beside uh, the Powderhorn Saloon, which is like oh, awesome. the legendary Powderhorn Saloon yeah. in Bragg Creek. It's where you go for a beer. And I, I don't remember many a times being there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when the river came through, it was pretty much the only place to go to. Um, they stood the test of time, so it's pretty cool to be right next to them. And uh, yeah, it's big, huge is change. It, and yeah, is that the way you say it in Bragg Creek when the river came through? When you talk about the flood, that's a nice. <laughs> I, like I guess so. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it, was, it messed things up. So we moved out here in 2014, right after the flood. Um, it was still recovering, and it was crazy. Like it was a whole transition. Um, but yeah, and then to watch Bright Creek become what it is today, the the mall's full again, and there's like lots to do, lots to eat, and yeah, now lots of t-shirts to buy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So. On on your website, um, you talk about the name a bit that it's from a John Prine song. Is that yeah? That's right. Yeah. So I, yeah. I I don't know which song it's from. I know some of his stuff, but like just mainstream stuff. Yeah. So um, well, when I was saying it was an Instagram account, I was just going to like do woodcarved signs, and I was just coming up with a name like, what can I do with this? And I was just going to, I was going to be all stubborn and be like, I'm going to be this hobby shop, only wood carved signs. And, and uh, yeah, there's a song called Christmas in prison. And he says it was Christmas in prison and the food was real good. We had turkey and pistols carved out of wood. I was just driving in to work <laughs> in one day and I'm like, ah, carved out of wood. There you go. And I love John Prine. I mean, he was yeah. beaten in my brain when by my uncles before I could, I knew who he was before I knew there was different genres of music. I knew all the John Prime songs. And then later on in life, I kind of came back to him and like rediscovered his stuff. And, and uh, now that I play guitar all the time, write songs and he's like the angel of songwriting now. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And and, and then if you call something Turkey and pistols, all you're going to do is explain what that, why, yeah. And so all day, every day. <laughs> I mean, since since I started taking clients, it was like the end of every client meeting is like, oh, and so what is Turkey Pistols? And so then I talk about John Prine. And now with a retail store, it's like every every hour I'm just like, well, have you ever heard of John Prine? Is that, <laughs> is that all you sell? Is John Prine in there? Uh, no, just... I will be honest. I have one shirt that's really basic. It says, listen to John, listen to John Prine. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty popular if you know who he is, right? But I will, I've never tried to rock on any, on his name or draw his photo or anything. I just tried to stay away from it. I thought Turkey Pistols is enough. I'll just leave that alone. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so I've never really tried to do anything with him. And I've always had lots of tributes, but I thought, let me just stay away from that. I'll, I'll keep these mm-hmm. two. They Fair keep the, the little phrase and that's about it. 
So you're so that, doing a wood carved sign up saying all the things that you just told us it was like, just point to the sign and let people read. Well, yeah. the, here's the best part. My wife picked me up this poster from the Oh Boy Records website, which is John Prime's uh, label, which he started in like the 70s before anyone started their own label. He went independent, but they got this poster and it's got the whole lyrics written out on on uh, the poster. So it hangs in the shop so I can kind of point at it. But oh, nice. Half the, time, half the time I still got to explain it. <laughs> so going back to Woodcarf signs, um, before I ask you why you decided to start with Woodcarf signs, um, not too long ago we were talking about tools and we made the joke, like what should your first tool be? And one of us said, how about a CNC machine? But <laughs> it sounds like that wasn't so much a joke. And that was actually like your first fucking tool was a CNC machine. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was my first business tool for sure. Yeah. Uh, I listened to that. I was I was going to comment. I, I think you should have a hammer. You should have a big crescent wrench and a little crescent wrench and a multi-tool, multi-ended screwdriver yeah. and be some pliers and you're good. For totally. like a good set of time. Wait, That's what I actually, think. Can, can I, we back I, up I on something? To the podcast. You listened to this podcast. You I are did, the one listener. Hey, Darren, uh, yeah. we found the one listener. <laughs> so now at the end we can say, hey, Rob. <laughs> Every time. Because he's the only one. I love um, it. Yeah, yeah. No, so, uh, well, that was it. Like I started in... Um, so I grew up in Lloydminster and when you're creative in Lloydminster, there's not a lot of places they have like a job where you can be creative other than sign shops, which is in the end of the day was really amazing learning experience, but it started really small. And I was like, really like, Oh, I get to draw signs, but then really you're just at the end of a ladder putting something up or changing a light bulb. Like it was like a very different sign job from there, but I did start making. What about signs. like custom crop circles? Is that not a. <laughs> no, no, we never do that. No, um, no but it, so we, uh, I had the I had sign making skills that I was kind of always like fell back on and it was kind of funny. And I thought, Oh, one day I'll make a sign, keep making signs. And I got really into, um, on Instagram, I started watching all these guys making three-dimensional, big, amazing old-school signs. Traditional old-school sign making kind of came back. Instagram was yeah. really cool at the time, like when everything was just kind of like emerging, all the trends again. And um, yeah, I, my friend's like, you, should, you need a CNC. So I, for some stupid reason, bought a build-it-yourself CNC thinking I could do that myself. And I looked at all the parts and all the baggies and all the washers. I'm like, what the shit? Like, I, how, how did I ever think I was smart enough to do this? Like, there was a point where I'm like, I don't have a soul in Calgary that I could call to help me with, to put this together. I, and then by the end of the day, I plugged it into my laptop and I had to do a bunch of stuff. I didn't know what I was doing and terminal and all this stuff. And then next thing you know, I had a robot in my basement <laughs> in the form of a CNC machine. And then, yeah, that's where it all started. I was like cutting and like learning because the best part from like my background in design, I knew how to do vectors, right? And so yeah. when you realize like, oh shit, it's like literally just prepping sign work and now you're cutting CNC. I didn't even realize what I bought. Like I just was making a sign making machine. I didn't think I was making like basically a 3D printer, you know, like yeah. it, you could do anything with it. 
Um, but I just was making signs and yeah. But even just we have yeah, one. We have one of yours. You made one for Walter, my son. Oh yeah. When he was when he was born, and it, it's hanging above his bed in his room. It says "Little Walter's Laboratory," and it looks a little bit like a Breaking Bad because his name's Walter. Yeah, we love yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And you were just talking about switching to hard drugs, so like right. this is all Which coming together here, Scott. Me. Yeah. I mean, why yeah. else would you have kids? <laughs> so they can make you meth. Yeah. Well, that was the very first sign like I really made. Like it actually worked. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, it's sort cool. of. Don't look into it too too close. But yeah, like <laughs> but it was fun because I, I was also experimenting with Instagram and I was going like, Oh, people are just cool, like people are just into it if I just show the paint and then I'm painting the process, right? And I should show the like the paint can open and all the brushes just sitting there and the 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 sign half painted and people were following that but it was from like outside of anyone i knew and all these sign makers were jumping into it so it like kind of got started to get a life of its own by just using instagram hmm. and that that kind of kicked off like this whole like whoa this is this is real and then out of nowhere people were just buying like or sending inquiries about like signs and it kind of like happened before I was even really like ready to like, Oh, I'm not like, it was before even thinking of leaving the industry of what I was doing. Right. Like I was just mm -hmm. pissing around with, with Instagram. And then all of a sudden it happened. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, it's the dream, isn't it? I, well, it, my mom, my mom asked me to make my dad a crib board coffee table. She saw one online and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, Oh, I should, I could probably make that with a CNC. So I made this little cribboard coffee table for my dad for Christmas. And, uh, I put that on Instagram and the whole, Oh my God, like people were like all over it. <laughs> and so I made a better version of it. And again, this is all hobby. Like after, like after hours on the weekends, just pissing around right after the advertising world. And, uh, I put the, the, the cribboard table up a second version. And I just was playing around with like like sponsoring a post, like I did, like it was all brand new, right? Yeah. And I got like three thousand likes and all of this stuff, and it was real early, and it was like blowing my mind. Like I didn't have that many followers, and all the hashtags were just working one day, and it just was like, what the fuck just happened? And I'm like, oh, like you know, if you get the right thing online, like your whole life can fucking change, right? And I started to follow all these people who were kind of engaging with me. And I'm like, these guys have more followers than my clients. And my clients are like million dollar clients, right? Like, yeah. you're like, what the fuck is happening? And then that was it. I guess I just kind of got addicted to like seeing what more people would engage with, right? And <laughs> one by one. Yeah. And then I guess I left the industry and then had to really go out full at it. But yeah, that was where it all started, really. Just couple of silly projects on instagram what That's was awesome. this uh cnc you bought like was it a a kit or no name or, or well it was, was it? The, it was very early from inventables online they're based out of chicago um so i was looking for cncs and i was like oh man there's there were like fifteen thousand dollars i'm like oh like, like in super industrial and then i stumbled across like Again, like a young tech company that was building CNC kits to send you. And they put all the baggies and they had instructions and 
and YouTube videos to put it all together, um, which I didn't find the first time, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? The first century of not following the instructions is not YouTubing something now. No, yeah, I, did, like, I did that. I didn't YouTube that. It was, um, but yeah, they're really cool. And so now they've really built this really cool, like low budget, um, really easy to use uh, CNC. It's really powerful. So I, I then I upgraded to the second version, which is like a, a called the X Carve, and then um, that was really neat because like basically again it was up you can just keep adding pieces and upgrading it. So you can buy the small one, upgrade to the bigger one, upgrade it, beef it up. But they're ri ridiculously um, inexpensive for what you get, and especially they have their own online um, editing tool called Easel. Yeah. That kind of got me going. And then after that, I mean, I built a CNT and I was kind of pretty confident after that. <laughs> like no it kidding. actually worked. It started to, and then building the second one was a lot easier. And then it was kind of like, okay, we got a little something going. Um, and that was this kind of side hustle I had that wasn't really wasn't anything other than just kind of making one off signs truthfully at, at the beginning. So how, how did it like progress then? Like obviously you started with the CNC machine and doing signs, but like now you're, well, like you said, like you're like a full on brick and mortar t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. like everything. Right. And well, so like when you decided like, oh, okay, shit, this is getting traction. I'm going to pull the plug on Adland and do this. What, what was your next step? Like, what did you have to do? What did you have to get set up in order to, actually start fulfilling orders and being you know successful well there was a bit of a transition out of like um what i noticed like i wasn't getting the the, the wood carved sign so i was kind of stubborn and i will say i was stubborn like i'm going to be a wood carved sign only that and then i was getting like well can you do vinyl on the windows can you do this can you do that and like i had a vinyl cutter had all these pieces but i had built up all the tool sets so i kind of was able to be like well, there's kind of no reason not to do it mm -hmm. um, other than being a creative director at a very successful advertising job that should not be wasting his time doing this on the side. But for some reason, I just kept doing it. Um, but everybody kept asking for T-shirts more than they were asking for these beautiful wood carved signs that I was trying to make. Um, and I used to be in apparel. I used, Most sign shops have this kind of weird silk screen kind of like weird hand in hand thing. Um, so I kind of learned the, the, like the skill early on. Uh, and then I had a clothing line with some friends called, uh, good child back in the like kind of 2010 ish area, maybe earlier than that. Um, and it was kind of a fun cult thing in Calgary. And so I kind of said, well, I know this world and I know that world. Why don't we just get some equipment and maybe we can kick it off. And so fast forward, long story short, uh, my wife's health wasn't the best and I kind of took some time off and we were sitting there uncomfortable about like no, no income. And I said, well, we need sort of some sort of side hustle, some sort of passive income of, of some kind. And so we talked about leasing a, a director garment printer, which we could just run t-shirts, low run, maybe do an e-commerce site and uh, just do you know, one-off stuff and we'll do this little hustle in our house. And uh, so I researched it and without seeing one or anything, I bought 
I leased a directogram and printer, the top of the line one you can get in the industry. And I had it shipping to my house without actually even seeing one like in person do a t-shirt for some reason. I thought this is what we're going to do. And then I freaked out about the monthly cost of it. But uh, next thing you know, I just took one job after another job, experimented with this t-shirt and the t-shirt business just order after order after order took off. And then that was it. Like that was the point where it was like becoming, oh crap. Like I have two really, really busy jobs. And uh, I, yeah. I remember when that was starting to, to wind up because at the time you were working with my wife and uh, she, she, I remember her coming home one day and saying, you know, Rob's been making t-shirts. And the thing she said to me about it though, was you wouldn't believe the quality of these things. And, and I, I was like, really? Like, and she's like, yeah, like he can print unbelievable detail onto cotton with this machine he's bought. So is that, is that still like the, is that part of your secret sauce is like, if you can design it, you can print it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, I don't know what it is. Like, I guess part of it, when I first had a clothing line, I knew how to pick the great, a great t-shirt. I knew let's go find this great white shirt and this great blue shirt and this great black shirt. And they're all from all these different lines. So you kind of like go sourcing for, for one. But truthfully, I did enough research. I'd ordered some shirts online. I tried to do a little fulfillment online saying, um, and, and the quality was what, like what you're saying, like, wow, this printer really is amazing. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, so when we got it, though, it blew my mind. I'd never seen a T-shirt get created so fast, so perfectly and so beautifully in like five minutes. And it was like sitting in my basement and all the anxiety I had of like, what the hell did I just do? It kind of softened. I wouldn't say it went away, but it was like, holy shit. Like, it is crazy. And I will say, like, I've used, I've used Photoshop since I was 16. Like, I started so early that like, it's, I know it like secondhand, right? Like, it's so easy. Um, but it's, it's bananas that you can just basically print right out of Photoshop onto a garment and be like, unbelievable. It's 1200 DPI, 1200 DPI. Like it upgrades. Uh, like if you give me a, a low res file, it somehow comes out amazing. Like it is awesome. And then of course there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of things I had to learn along the way, the process and everything and finding the perfect way to do everything. But yeah, it's out of the box. It's pretty hot. <laughs> so what is this what is this printer is it a big uh inkjet printer or is it a silk screen or what what is this machine well the best way to describe it is almost like an inkjet printer it's like a i always say it's like a your desktop bubble jet printer and it has a platen like much like a silk screen machine um and you slide your t-shirt in but then it takes it into the into the printer but it's a big giant oversized desktop printer that just prints right onto the t-shirt, um, full textile ink. So it's high, high industrial, high quality, um, textile ink. And it's much like silkscreen. It's water based, um, CMYK. Um, and then there's a white underbase that we do or do not use on certain items. And yeah, it's like I said, like the, it, it takes all these jobs that are normally in a silk screening shop and 
takes them into one place. But it does have a different look and feel, but it is pretty great. What's the difference between a silkscreen and that machine? Like in, I've only ever seen a silkscreen machine. I've never personally seen one of these uh, desk jet desktop things. But what's the what's the difference in the quality of it? Like you said, is the resolution and the the, the print quality is amazing. But is it like is there a textural difference? Is there what's the difference? It's a little bit. Of, well, I mean, texturally, yeah. Like sometimes silkscreen will be really thick and hard on top of the shirt, where sometimes this kind of blends right into the fabric. Oh, so, so that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So the one I'm wearing right now is like is a full color. There's like 11 colors on this shirt. And so for any type of silkscreen, you'd actually have to make a screen for every single color. And then that's when you're starting to need a 14 color uh, automated right. press. So like what becomes this big giant industrial hydraulic monster, this machine just does one at a time. So it does one at a time. It's a lot slower, but it's amazing, but it is disrupting the whole industry. For yeah. sure, and it has already for a long time, to the point where now it becomes its own. It's own. It's kind of like its own option, right? Like you kind of go for the DPG feel and look because you. Some people still dig the like silkscreen feel and look, and then I mean, a great silkscreen setup can blow me out of the water for sure. Like, like it's still like if you got your silkscreen stuff dialed, like it, there's nothing like it. But what do you like? When it comes to people like, oh, I really want it, like, in the end, uh, who gives a shit? Like, I think, like, aren't people just buying the shirt because it's fucking cool? Because the design yeah, is I awesome. Mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, truthfully, like, I can honestly say for everyone ever listening, um, even if I re-listen to this. It's just uh, you. <laughs> for you later. <laughs> no, but, like. I think a lot of people are think overthinking their merch right now. So merch is super popular, right? Like, um, it, it's a, it's kind of an Instagram thing, or if you got a, a podcast or YouTube channel, merch is part of the game, right? Um, yeah. people overthink it a lot and they want it to be dialed and they want it to look like this and look like that. And I'll tell you, the customers don't care. They just like drunkenly two pints later, go, I got my shirt. Yeah. I'm out of here. Right. <laughs> I, I haven't done that yet. You can't t tell me I'm drunk. <laughs> Midnight tonight, Rob's going to get some orders from yeah. Matt. <laughs> right, and then he's going to have special Fucking. instructions, which is all spelt dumb. <laughs> Fucking Matt, you're a retard. Can you silk screen this twice for me with your inkjet? Fuck, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're right. Like, there, there's a lot of overthinking it, but when it's just cool, it's cool, right? So, yeah. um, but I, 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 I was able to do a, a different option. And, and again, I downplay the like, I make it sound like a little desk job, desk jet, ink, ink jet printer, but it takes four guys to move it and it's in my basement. I don't know how I'm going to get it to my new shop. Uh, and I got two of them uh, and they're both, both stuck in one room. Uh, but, and they cost more than my truck did. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, so we were, we really went all in, and that was kind of the other kind of anxiety thing. There were kind of thirty thousand dollars a piece. So, <laughs> um, so but that's when it it was like if we're gonna do this, we may as well get the right one, right? And then they yeah. should really be able to turn it over. But we did. We thought we'd be doing low run, and that was what we were offering at the beginning. So we were doing like low runs of twenty, you know, thirties. Most 
I did most of the small breweries, especially when they were really small and starting out, they, I'd help them out a little bit. And then eventually they all outgrow me and that's totally fine. Like they kind of like, I can't keep up with kind of what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And we were all surprised. We were all just going like, what? So I got kind of like accidentally thrust into the Alberta beer scene while it was blowing up. Um, and, and we were all just watching merch just fly out the door and beer, beer shirts. And we're all like just celebrating. And next thing you know, we're all printing like hundreds and 200 <laughs> orders. Right. And it just kind of tacked on and tacked on, but. Yeah, it was a really neat kind of thing that went from let's do this passive income to like next thing you know, I'm printing so many shirts for everyone and I'm not sure what it was. So you said oh. a little bit earlier uh, that a big part of it is sourcing shirts. So like finding the good white shirt, the blue shirt. What about the ink? Is Like, do you have to go and, and source that? Like, what's the what's that like? Well, it's kind of like uh, I, I've only stuck to everything um, right down to the T to, to stuck to the brand. So I use um, uh, a big brother director garment printer. So I use the brother ink, the brother pre-treat, everything like that. And the reason why I say that is because when you get into this industry, everybody's trying to tell you like, Oh, you need to use this ink. You need to go try this stuff. That stuff's garbage. You're spending too much on that. But once I found like a process, I just stuck to it and just said, yeah. you know what, this is going to, this is going to work. It's always working. I went, I deviate. I sometimes, um, my, my supplier almost made me, they like almost forced me to go try a new pre-treat, but I was losing shirts. Um, like I would, I would lose like 30 shirts because the pre-treat didn't work right. So, so really I just stuck to the, to what I know works. And it's kind of like almost finding your, re your recipe. You got to stick to it. Right. And if anything changes, it, it can blow up the whole, whole situation. Hmm. And that yeah. you can argue like that's for everything, like not just printing T-shirts, right? Like almost any any job, any any small business you want to start. Once you find something like your your groove, I guess, like it's probably best to stick with with that and not try and like stay on top of like you said, like people's opinions and trends and shit like that. It's Trenches. just like yeah, yeah. Well, it's like lowest cost doesn't mean necessarily that's the way to go. You want, right. you want quality. And especially if you're in a business of a, like you say, like a one-off t-shirt or something like that, you don't want a junk product going out because there's no, there's no backups. That's, that's it. Absolutely. And then when you go on forums, right. And you're kind of just looking for help. And, and unfortunately when you start something like I did, I was kind of blindly going at it and you really are like, you buy them the, the equipment, you can think your salesperson's going to be there for you. And they're not. So you're just kind of learning, right? Um, <laughs> it so, sounds like every other product. Right. You're used but, to that, uh, though, right? With Adobe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so then when you're out there tracking forums, you're like, no. So you just stick to what you know. And then my, my salesperson tried to like switch me over to something else. And I shouldn't say the salesperson. I just, um, because I, I was always able to go and get what I needed. But uh, I did say, like, you know, if you're switching me from one pre-treat to another, it's like switching flour in a, to a baker, right? Like, you mm -hmm. can't do that to them. They, they've planned it this whole way. It's it's timed. It's it's temperature. It's everything. So That's a when, great it is, when, you're, when you're cooking T-shirts and curing ink, 
it is about time, temperature, everything, and the amount of pretreat you put down. So, and amount of ink and all of that. So the moment something skews, it, you could lose a whole project. So when we're talking about, I was hoping that I would only lose one shirt, but I was starting to do like orders of like 30s and 50s and 60s. And when you damage 30, $30 t-shirt or $30 sweaters and you can't do anything with them, it is a lot to, to deal with, right? Like yeah. You, yeah. it's a hard learning curve. So I'll tell you the cost of trying to run a business like this and experimenting from scratch is, was, yeah, it was pretty costly, but yeah, you can't send your customer garbage. So, you know, you just swallow it and figure it out. And then you just, you want to choke someone in the chain that told you to try something different, but you can't, you just, just go ahead mm -hmm. and redo it again. Right. So, so, and so then, then it like, so you, you, you start out, you buy the equipment, um, you learn how to do it through forums. You're putting it together based on baggies from, from Chicago. And uh, then one day it's big enough that you're like, I need a physical store. How did that, like, where did you, when did you get to that decision point? Uh, well, we kind of always had this as a vision for the direct garment printer to become a wholesale printer was kind of, um, it was kind of an accident. It was kind of one project after another momentum, that sort of thing. But then COVID hit and it was kind of like wholesale was really the, whole, the number one focus. It was the number one business. I could do it all the time. I'm at home already anyways. Um, so it really put a, a, a it slowed us right down. We really wanted to be doing what we're doing now when we first bought the direct garment printer. I thought, wouldn't it be cool to just move it into a space, print local t-shirts, print, print order for the wall, and then maybe print to order out of the shop, right? Um, so fast forward to where we are and about two months ago, I finally, after a long summer of trying to get someone to rent me a place, I secured a spot and it was yeah no joke two months ago and i had kind of given up it was i started in may and by the beginning of the or like right before september i was like that's it like none i don't even know what i'm gonna do and uh <laughs> emailed someone i'm like where do i have to go and then bing bang boom a week later i'm like i'm signing a lease like a madman not really understanding what the hell i'm doing but uh <laughs> That seems to work out for you every single time. Yes. <laughs> every time. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But Stick I mean, to the process, right? <laughs> don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to do it. Oh, yeah, it worked yeah. out again. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to bake it too long. You just want to go. Um, but yeah, like, so I would, I, when I say that, I like, I'd thought about it for eight years, but it was like finally a lease. And then I'm like, and every time I would look at a different space, the whole idea would change because I knew that I just didn't want to move it, a print shop into the mall in Bright Creek. Cause that's kind of not helpful for the community to just have like a business that doesn't serve the community too much. Right. Yeah. Um, and I really had a vision of like more something fun in my own apparel store and uh, add some music to it and just really kind of make a really eclectic, cool store. Um, and I was just even thinking like, I just need a pop-up space to get rid of some of the sample stuff I had here. I had now, I had four years of shirts to print, right? And sell. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just so excited to go. Yeah. So I was saying like we survived 
four or five years of a wholesale company, um, printing some fun stuff, having some fun on Instagram with my own designs. But the vision was, yeah, get into space, sell direct to consumer and um, see how the custom part of the, the wholesale business shakes out after that. So when you were getting orders, um, obviously like you'd get them probably through your website and, and Instagram and people texting you or whatever. Um, well, how did you handle like fulfillment and shipping? Like, do you just, cause I know like the little bit I've looked into, you know, like Canada post or UPS shipping, like it, it's almost like not worth it to the customers. Like, ah, here's your $30 item and $18 in shipping. It's like, fuck. Right. Right. Well, I mean, from my old days, I, I had already built myself a Shopify site. So yeah. it kind of, I was already in the e-commerce game for years. And I kind of knew that like shipping is kind of one of those pills you either swallow as a free, you know, you, you give free shipping or, uh, or you just say your customers suck it up and that they realize that Canada, what's nice is with Shopify, you just let Canada post, give them the, the cost and go, Oh, there you go. You live in Halifax and you're ordering from Vancouver. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when I first launched, I did play the whole game of like free shipping on t-shirts, right? Cause like who's, uh, who, who's really going to order from this random guy and this brand new, brand new place. Um, but people were randomly ordering one at a time, but I will say I was never successful selling t-shirts online in my previous, uh, good child days. For some reason we did pretty decent early, yeah. early e-commerce game and people paid the shipping. It was unreal. Like, for some reason, that brand had a early e-commerce game. Um, after that, I mean, even my clients, they wouldn't sell. But here's the interesting thing I found. Like big brands, they wouldn't, they, beer brands, they wouldn't sell online e-commerce. But if they had them at the tap room, they'd, uh, they'd sell like all on a Saturday. So yeah. what's really weird, interesting about apparel and t-shirts is like, it's a touch thing. The moment they touch it and they're into t-shirts, it's like, oh yeah, I'll go. But ordering online still, I think, is a little skeptical uh, for people. But yeah, at the other end of it is like, yeah, still shipping and e-commerce and everything. I think, I think it really is still a hesitation for people. When I see people that do abandoned carts on my website, like you kind of go, yeah, I bet, you know, that $30 t-shirt turned into a $55 t-shirt doesn't feel as cool. Right. Right. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. But go buy a $35 one in your tap room or your cool store or, you know, some, some chump standing on the corner with a cool shirt. Go, <laughs> go buy it. I don't know why. You know, I always say that. Just stand on the corner with 50 shirts and you'll sell those. <laughs> huh. So other than, other than mass volume, what is a, what is a company like Amazon? How do they swing the big dick and be able to get shipping for, you know, you can ship a 50 kilo pack to my house for a dollar. Like, I don't understand that. And it's the, it's the big dick, man. Yeah. It's the, but to they ship just, a t-shirt, which weighs nothing. Oh yeah. So like $18 with, for a t-shirt. Sorry. What's going on yeah, with that with equation? Canada, with Canada post, as far as I can understand, it's really just volume of the package that you're sending. So if the package gets to another size, it kind of is what it is weight does have it have something to do with it but like it's kind of this and then distance 
but like at one point it was it was okay and it was and it, like they would get it across to like Edmonton in one day and it was fairly affordable but I mean fast forward COVID time and fuel costs and now there's like fuel surcharges that get added to all the all the shipping and it it was crazy how much it jumped like I will say the supply chains and then being so I was always on the other side of this right we would always dream up all these great ways to get customers and da, da, da. we never thought about supply chains and and cost of materials and all of this stuff and so now I was in COVID looking for shirts supply chain costs are starting to go up and yeah like you started to see how it would really affect an on, online sale so now your your shirt just went up your shipping just went up right like yeah, I, I mean, that, there was a little bit of a heyday of like e-commerce at the beginning of COVID, but I don't know. I think it, it has to have leveled out, you know? Yeah. So do you still do your wood carving signs? Well, I mean, wood carving signs and uh, fresh ink just didn't go together too well anymore. Uh, <laughs> I was at, I'm not kidding. We at one point had a huge run of t-shirts while I was making two um, beautiful three-dimensional signs. Um, or I was trying to make them beautiful anyways, but they were so intricate. And that, yeah, I was like, saw dust and ink. This is not going not well. Good combo. <laughs> no, wow. but I've, but I, the best part is my dad came down and he was like printing shirts and I was in the other, I was in the garage cutting, I was cutting MDF, just sawdust everywhere, right? Like, um, yeah, and so we made a, made a go of it. But yeah, we had, we really had to put a, like a focus on the business. And I mean, that was a part of it too, is like maybe look to where the money was really coming from and the money was t-shirts. Um, the, the signs were becoming a bit of a distraction and uh overtaking the shop and then i really was saying like this is two different businesses we either got to mm -hmm. go apparel or we got to go with signs and the and the apparel was just taken off and then right. it was just one or two like three-dimensional signs and it felt like it was really becoming this like it was just this me forcing it i'm like no we're still a sign shop and and I, and I was kind of loving it as a hobby but i felt like it was a distraction so we kind of put it as a pause so you, uh, so you've done signs, moved to apparel, moved into a physical store. Do you have an idea what's next? Because you don't seem to stay still very long. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, like we, we got to figure out how wholesale was going to work because it was taking up a lot of my time. Um, my wife's health wasn't going the right way. Um, so I had to figure out, make sure I'm not like overthinking other people's lives and timelines and priorities that aren't really mine um but yeah well, i mean having this brick and mortar and going direct to consumer has really went like wow like okay this is this is this is awesome this is my voice going out into the market um this is my stuff this is things i love um so that's pretty that's something i've always dreamed of right um and then we we have a budding music store inside there so no kidding we have a uh, brand new vinyl and lots of vintage vinyl and we're going to keep growing um, music. Um, not something I, I was open about in my old days of like advertising, but I, I played guitar for like 20 years and 
Uh, I love writing songs and my wife plays ukulele and we hosted a uh, open mic in Cochrane all summer. And uh, cool. it became our, our, our life the last four years of just COVID and hiding from the world. We just played music and my, even when we moved out here and I left the ad world, we, we did open mics and stuff. So yeah, we're going to have a little music store out of uh, Turkey Pistols. So it'll be a pair. Like your, your music? Is it going to be your music? <laughs> no, we'll see. Maybe one day. But uh, but we got like, uh, yeah, we're going to have um, strings and picks and capos and, and things for all the players. Um, small ukuleles and for for people to buy and uh then we're live gonna, music like said, you're gonna have live music we're gonna have live music one day once Fuck i yeah. can get it all sorted um i want to do a youtube channel i want to do live uh music from from the shop and, are you gonna uh, be licensed though like that's key uh well the powder horn's next door so we'll play we'll figure something out right? <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah we'll just play right in front of their patio but yeah we also have vinyl records and and it's kind of fun to be part of the music scene and like collecting is becoming a thing again and and vinyl is really popping right now and um we're really having a lot of fun with that so we have a distribution for brand new vinyl and we'll be bringing things in all the time once i can afford it uh, and things move out of the shop and uh yeah i have a awesome. hilarious selection of vintage that people have to come check out and uh the more i can find stuff and it, i can trust it i'll put it in the shop but yeah we'll just be kind of like doing some music and, and apparel and see what life leads after that. Really. Where does, uh, where does fresh press vinyl come from? Uh, well, there's a few different sources, I guess. I mean, most of the, most of the, of the big places are, uh, are like all the record labels are re-releasing it now, right? Like you can always still get ACDC and all of that, but all of the new artists are now, releasing it in whether if it's through their own labels or not. Um, and it's just because it's, it's another thing you can actually buy to support them, uh, the different artists, but yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. And so, um, and then there's, I actually have a distribution account through uh, a Canadian place that gets all of them, but we'll keep growing it from there and a few other ones down from the United States. So it's a lot of things to learn and I'm still uh, obviously learning a whole new skill, I guess. You're uh, you're like Calgary and Brad Creek's Jack White bringing back uh, vinyl. That's that's terrific. Well, that's I mean, if Jack White's uh, Third Man Record Stores in Nashville and all over, they're yeah. like they're like perfect. Like that's a, that's a model I would love to kind of capture. They have such a feel. It's such a history of of um, music. He's super into the blues. He's yeah. got like he's got really historical items in all his shops. Um, and you can kind of feel like they're curated music. Um, so that's kind of what we're trying to f- do as well. Like we're leaning into the honky tonk side of Brad Creek and, and bringing in kind of that kind of singer songwriter stuff. Um, obviously there's John Prine albums and then all a bunch of artists that kind of stem from John Prine, yeah. uh, like Phil Simpson and, uh, Chris Stapleton. Yeah. And yeah, we'll be, and we got Coulter Wall and, and, uh, Fuck yeah, you do. Mike Plume and Cor- Corb so all so we got really yeah. good like Canadian artists, yeah. Those so are my we're boys. just kind of, I don't yeah, know so, them. I just like them. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, they should be. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, we're, wish I knew them. Those are the type. Yeah. Of, <laughs> those are the type of artists that we're trying to like, kind of share to the world through our store a little bit, and then 
And then, of course, we got two brand new ACDCs on the wall, Highway to Hell and Back in Black. Fuck Re-release. Yeah. They're never going to stop re-releasing those things. They'll be That's in print awesome. every till the day we all die. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if you had like any advice for someone who's like, "Yeah, I'm going to build my own business with my hands," or maybe not, like maybe like by typing, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Those are hands. Yeah. yeah, unless you like dictate because you hands. have no hands because <laughs> your CNC machine cut them off or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> friend who's like, "Hey, I want to get started. I want to kind of do my own gig." What's your advice for kind of like? Here's how you would just like bootstrap it yourself. Let's go. Well, bootstrap's probably the best way to put it. Like you, if you think there's going to be any kind of funding or money or anything that's going to go, it you got to start saving your pennies. If you really want to do this, it's like no more vacations, put the dreams of a new car away, all of that. Like you go all in on your idea, yeah. right? You gotta, you're going to need all the, extra dough, extra time, extra money, all of that. Because I, I thought there would be some sort of biz- I was on the other side of the table, helping banks market to small businesses and how to get them funding and all yeah. that. Yeah. I, I walked into banks thinking like, look, I'm going to be on like on the commercial. And then we walking out of there. Just all now. lies. Hey, I, I was like, struggling all the time to find something or it's a hoop to jump through right or like an instagram like contest and a you know like so really there is no extra dough like you're gonna have to like fuck up yeah well they go down their approved industries list right and when (laughs) when apparel and sign making isn't on there they're like why don't you go do something in healthcare get out well i mean that's like it was hard to it was hard to explain to people like I've been really successful at all of these other things, but I'm gonna try to point them at these weird things. But right. they like maybe if all of my colleagues came along and were like, ask them, I'm pretty decent at things, right? Like I've I've made some successful projects, but um, yeah, like really once you go out on your own, it's all start from scratch, start a whole new network, start a thing. But I mean, really, if you want to go go all in. But on the other hand, like, you don't have to, like, freak yourself out. If you do something every single day for your business, you're good. Like, just keep doing something. Make one T-shirt. You don't get any orders, make a T-shirt for yourself, right? And then if you don't got anything to do, check your emails, you know? And then I always always say, like, you can do your accounting. You can check your you can do your bookkeeping, you can sweep the floor, you can make another sheet shirt tomorrow, but every day, just do something on your business, build it, do something, just anything. That's shop discipline right there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah just, that's... I, I worked in lumber yards and car dealerships when I was a kid and that was it. It was like, okay, when you run out of things to do, the broom's right there. And that was like, oh God, I better broom then. Yeah. yeah. And for yourself, you can build a better business card, build a better website, up, change the change the first paragraph on the website. Like all the stuff that I have now, I just kind of would be like sitting around and I would tweak the website and then, you know, do some SEO, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Google page, like Instagram. And then, but once you have Instagram or something like that, you could then know like, well, what do I take a picture of? Uh, sawdust, right? Like, you know, pile, pile of wood. Like, and it was funny when I was cutting w- wood carved stuff, I just take pictures of piled up letters. People really like that. I was like, 
is kind of almost my go-to. So you kind of have something to do with your business every day. And that's, that'd be it really. Like, I don't want to be scary when you're like, there's no money, but, but the truth of it is, is if you work hard on, you just do something every day, it just propels the business forward yeah. somehow. Right. And it even feels like it in like to you, it does. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, there's a guy I saw once who said, um, I didn't see him personally. It was on the internet. Let's not joke about that. Um, <laughs> but he's, his thing was make your bed in the morning because you're starting your day having done something. Yeah. Right. So it's like the same kind of thing, right? That's like, bullshit. Oh, yeah, cause I, went I drink, and I, I drink coffee in the morning. That's what I do. That's yeah. <laughs> Routine. Yeah. What did you accomplish? Oh, I shit real fast today. <laughs> Coffee did it. Uh, yeah. Um, Rob, this has been awesome. Uh, thanks for actually agreeing to come on here. And even more, thank you for actually listening to some of the episodes. I know we joke about it, but I mean, like, it, it means a lot that someone actually, like, listens and isn't, like, dead from throwing up or boredom afterwards. So that's... It's good. It's good to see that you still came on after listening like the, to it. I like the branding too. I like it. It's pretty. It's pretty dope. I like. I like the logo and stuff. Oh, and, but you know what? I, I I will say before we go, like I think sometimes I do want people in our or the past industry that I was in and the industry you're in is it's like sometimes when you realize like you have your own idea and you take your evil skills that we've been you know giving out for free into to the industry and you pointed at yeah. your own idea, it can work really well. So yeah, you know, keep up what you guys are doing with your podcast. Cause yeah, you have all the skills to market everything. Right. So once you get your own thing, you know, well, thank you. That's uh, that means a lot to us. He thinks we have skills. Yeah. Scott, don't as, ruin it. <laughs> as, as the only guy that's not in the advertising industry, I felt that as a slapper on the face. What are, you, what, are you, what are you saying is you're the only guy with an actual job that means something in the world. Yeah. <laughs> we just we just make people buy things that they don't actually need. And you're yeah. like, hey, the world needs this, and I built it, and now it's being used. Um, I like to think myself as a fine tailor of lies. Yeah. Oh, that's quite the suit you're wearing. Thank you. Um, Rob, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thank um, you. Thanks, Rob. And uh, we'll uh, we'll come visit your shop. Yeah. Yeah, please do. Out in it's Bragg Creek. Next down, next to the powder home. Next to the powder home. <laughs> we'll visit both. Let's be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thank well, you. Thanks. Bye. Good night. Hey, nobodies. And now Rob Sawchuck. We've got merchandise, T-shirts, hats, even a cup. Check it out at mutteringpines.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite stuff or watch useless shit, you'll find us there. <laughs>